Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Friday, February 26, 2020. So, other than walking Nova the Wonder Dog, what, what did we do with our Friday, Drew? Uh, I went to Krispy Kreme and bought a bunch of donuts because if you drive by while the sign says they're hot, then you get 12 for $5. Oh. You get a dozen for 5 bucks. Time well spent. Well, again, in my former life, before I became a diabetic, yeah, Alice and I did that once. It's a pretty heady sugar rush. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's what's insidious is that you can just eat. They, they're so light, you can eat <laughs> half a dozen and not even know it. I, the worst is when somebody, you know, in the days of offices, when someone would bring in some for somebody's birthday or something, and then they would just sit there on the table uneaten and he would just go but oh i'm gonna just have one more and one then you crash then you have your your sugar crash <laughs> well and I, I again for those who haven't experienced the whole hot crispy cream thing I, again crispy cream donuts i don't think age particularly well no no once they cool i mean you look at it and it's like well that's going straight into the order right <laughs> you know, just right. Sort of like this is that's well. We we operated on you know, Nancy, and we found his, his heart was clogged entirely with Krispy Kremes. It was very sad. So, all right. Here at this end, on the other hand, uh, in fact, Nancy turned on FXM earlier today, and they actually ran the Peanuts movie and Ferdinand back to back. Okay. And just kind of just it, two great looking blue sky movies, and. Just, I'm still mad about Disney's decision to shutter that animation studio. Again, especially in this content is king era. Uh, I, on the other hand, because today uh, Myth, a Frozen tale, debuted on Disney Plus, sat down and watched that 11 minutes and change. Was that the first time you saw it? That was the first time I saw it. In fact, I okay. am, I'm incredibly jealous that, that you got to see the Oculus Quest version of this thing. It must have been amazing to stand in that world and to be able to pivot around. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the coolest part about it is the Brittany Lee production design, right? I mean, it's just oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I mean, face it, it's an A-team there. I mean, you've got Jeff Gibson, who directed it and produced by Nicholas Russell, and uh, kudos to Jose Luis Gomez-Diaz, you know, the, the, the VR technical supervisor. But yeah, Brittany, oh my God. I love how she got her paper cut like design in there. I especially love that moment where they transition from inside the cottage to the storybook world kind of comes up behind them. Definitely worth checking out. But again, I'm jealous you got to do the Oculus Rifting. And I'm particularly jealous that you got to see Rhea and the Last Dragon this past weekend, right? Yes, yeah, I have seen it. It is great, but we will, we'll talk about that later, right? Yes, second half of the show. Okay, okay. so jumping into a lot of animation news week this week, folks. Uh, but uh, that's largely in the back of the Television Critics Association Winter Press Tour, right? Uh, yes. Which normally is a real thing. People go out to L.A. and spend two weeks, you know, seeing presentations by all the the networks but of course now with the pandemic they're doing it virtual so have you gotten to see any of the stuff yet or i mean i um, wasn't i wasn't covering it but you know i saw the trailers and stuff mm -hmm. that that leaked out okay. afterwards onto social media which is fine by me as much as i love hearing some executive producer pontificate about <laughs> the importance of their new show that will be off the air in six weeks and no one will 
ever remember oh. it. But you know, I honestly hope that is not the case with Marvel's Modoc. Hulu, I think, was one of the very first uh, networks to present, and so they walked out uh, this show. So I guess we're getting ten episodes. It's produced by Stupid Buddy Studios, the folks who brought us Adult Swim, uh, Robot Chicken. And I guess this project was announced in January of last year. And it, it's been on my radar ever since they announced that Patton Oswald is the, the voice of the title character. I've, I've been a Patton fan ever since. Did you ever hear his, his Star Wars riff? Yes, about killing George Lucas as a child. Yes, beating him to death with a shovel. Yes, I get over that. One of the greatest pieces of stand-up I'd ever heard. And from that moment on, it's like, I love this guy. Well, you know, what's interesting about the MODOK thing, though, is that Mm. it was announced Mm -hmm. with all those other Hulu Marvel shows that have since gone the way of the Mm -hmm. dinosaur. And I feel like MODOK was just, it was just too far along for them to cancel it. Mm -hmm. So it's coming out despite, you know, remember Hellstrom and they were going to do that whole thing where the show's interconnected mm. and all that nonsense yeah oh but. now you're making me sad this makes me think we're only gonna get 10 and gone Ow. Oh. okay uh also coming out of this hulu presentation to the television critics thing we found out we're getting a third season of animaniacs and i know you're always after me for me again to do my homework to actually watch things through i did just last night Watched the last four uh, episodes of season one of Animaniacs, and I think they were somewhat better than the nine that came before them. Uh, have you? I guess you you only watched the the first. I, I only watched the ones that I had to for the press day, but I I would I would go I, I would go back and watch. I, mean, I know that season two is is coming up sometime soon, mm-hmm. so. I mean, I have to admit, I was kind of surprised as how political it got because they went after Wayne uh, LaPierre from the NRA. That, not yep. that they shouldn't. Likewise, they periodically take swings at Tucker Carlson at Fox News. They have a character, Tuck Buckerson. You, as a, an L.A. resident, would have, I think, enjoyed one of the episodes I watched last night where they were talking about the arduous trip that they made from Burbank all the way over to Glendale. But... <laughs> A couple of, you know, neat little shows in the pile. There was one where they they sent up Warner Brothers' version of It. You know, they had Yakko, Wacko, and Dot tormenting Nickelwide, the clown, as opposed to Pennywise. Okay. Remember when Warner Brothers did its own Halloween event on the lot? Yes. This episode seemed to be set during that. And also there were some deep cuts that were fun. You know, there was a Pinky in the Brain episode involving an electric car where at one point... The car is being menaced by the truck from Duel, Spielberg's first movie, or TV movie, excuse me. And then you, after all these years, we finally found out who was driving the truck, and it turns out it was E.T. So, cute, but uh, again, I I don't know. I'm hoping they get stronger as we go into two and three. All right, so then Disney Plus follows Hulu at the Television Critics Association, so... We got info about the Bad Batch that, and again, I feel like an idiot that I didn't put this together myself, but of course the Bad Batch is going to debut on Disney Plus on May 4th, as in May the 4th yes. be with you. Had you heard that Monsters at Work was, was going to bow in July? No, I think that they're ahead of schedule. They were, I think they were maybe maybe behind schedule, and now they kind of caught up and are ahead of schedule. Because I, I had heard that 
it would be a miracle if they got it on the air this year. So something happened. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, we all know, mm-hmm. and I think there's some confusion on this, that it's a Disney television animation project. Pixar has nothing to do with this. So I don't know what, what changed, but I'm excited to see it on July 2nd. And I guess part of the confusion there is, I mean, face it, you have John Goodman coming back as Sully, Billy Crystal uh, you know, coming back as Mike, Ratzenberg is back as Yeti, uh, Jennifer Tilly's back as Celia. And <laughs> did you see where Bob Peterson is now voicing not only Roz, but her twin sister, no. Rose? Uh, <laughs> so. All right. You know, I mean, again, I, I have to admit, I love the premise of the whole Tyler Tuskman, you know, who was at the top of his class at Monster University in Scare School, but he arrives at Monsters, Inc. the very day when they switch over from scaring to laughing. So it's an interesting premise, and I, I'll be intrigued to see how it pans out. I'm I, I'm especially interested that, that they got Henry Winkler to come on board to uh, voice a character, what's it, Fritz, the scattered brain boss. So I'll give it a try come, come July 2nd. On the other hand, what, what about Chippendale Park Life, this series of, of new shows? Yeah, I had, not, I had not heard about those at all. I mean, the little image they mm-hmm. showed looks really great, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's very different than the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that they're working on, because this seems like... They're they're not in their rescue ranger mode. They're just chipmunks. Yep. They're in I think in a park in the city, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In fact, that's a, the the name of the show, Chippendale Park Life. And yeah, tiny troublemakers try to live the good life in a big city park, having giant sized sky high adventures. And it's but these are legitimately shorts. These are seven minutes long. I guess there's 36 episodes being produced. But as you pointed out, again, this is not the John Mulaney, Andy Samberg Rescue Rangers movie. In fact, that that's not due till spring of 2022. Yeah. yeah. Just this week, we also got the character redesigns for the Proud Family, Louder and Prouder debuted. And again, I don't know if you caught the show when it debuted way back when. Uh, what was it? September of 2001. Wrapped its run by August of, of 2005. Oof. Again, they got two seasons, uh, 52 episodes. It was a funny show. I was always intrigued. It, it had a, a, you know, it was Bruce W. Smith and Ralph Farquaad, the series creator, executive producer. In fact, they're coming back for this reboot. But I, it always intrigued me that this very authentic African-American animated sitcom, which, by the way, was the first animated Disney Channel original series Disney television animation had nothing to do oh, with interesting. this. Oh, interesting. But it's Mike Peraza uh, who did a lot of the design on the show. Oh, he was the oh, art wow. director. So, yeah. But anyway, a lot of the original voice talent are coming back. And again, it's it's the same production team. In fact, that's what's fun about the, the design. Penny Proud's now 14, so everybody's aged up a little bit. But beyond that, it's it's very reminiscent yeah, of the, the first the show. Yeah, the designs are really gorgeous. It looks it looks great. I can't wait. After Disney and after Hulu, here comes Paramount Plus. And you were mentioning how you, you got to see the trailers and the clips after the fact. What did you make of the, the Rugrats CG footage that came out? It didn't look terrible. I just sort of thought, mm-hmm. well, what is the point if you're just going to mimic the Gabor Supko look so... Mm-hmm diligently you know what i mean i just thought i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't really get it but 
you remember when you were you were in town and you accidentally and I use that yes. in quotes overheard yeah. the discussion? Yeah. Was that was that what you saw? I was outside the hotel with Alice, and all of these folks from Nickelodeon came snarling out of a, a, a function room at the hotel. They had just done an offsite for the reboot of Rugrats, and the thing is, they had all of this presentation art. They had all of these beat boards. But they're carrying them openly, and so, you know, and both Alice and I are trying not to be too obvious about reading everything that's in front of us, but they were talking about a real departure from the Rugrats show, and didn't they, they did do a, a, a Rugrats follow-up where they aged a bunch. They did, and right? I think at one point they were talking about a live-action version. You remember that? That's right, yeah. So, it's weird, what was on the beat boards is not what the CG thing, which, face it, going back to the original voice talent and and very much sticking to the style of the original show, I, I just get the sense that when it came time to finally commit, you know, rather than take a, a you know a brave departure, it's like no, let's let's make some safer choices. On the other hand, you, uh, speaking of of departures or or lack thereof, uh, you've got to see what two episodes of Camp Coral. Yes, I did. One was a full 22-minute episode, and then the other one was two 11-minute episodes, which is, you know, the typical SpongeBob length. But they were done sort of in the same Rugrat style, where it is computer animated. It was interesting to see something that was more organic mm-hmm. um, looking in animation than something like Star Wars, which is pretty rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. Like, I, I we, we were sort of talking before the show that... Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of I didn't the the sort of camp aspect of it was kind of superfluous. I thought it was mm-hmm. just sort of them. They were younger, but they were still sort of doing the same things. But the the first episode is about SpongeBob's first time jellyfishing. Oh. So mm-hmm. I know you had a lot of questions about that, Jim. So the, every every one of those will be will be answered. But I, I was also telling you before the show that I noticed that on one of the 11 minutes, um, it was actually storyboarded by the great John Sanford, who Disney animation fans should know as the head of story on Atlantis, the director on Sweating Bullets, a.k.a. what was it? Home on the Range. Home on the Range, um, yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, he, w- he was back in the game and doing great work there, so definitely worth checking out on March 4th on Paramount Plus alongside... Uh, Sponge on the Run, mm-hmm. which will I'm so excited to watch uh, not in 1,000 YouTube clips as you directed <laughs> me to, Jim. So, yeah. Oh, I, again, I take what I can get. I take what I can get. All right. And yeah. I, uh, yeah. Speaking again, the, the Paramount Plus presentation, we also at least got uh, character designs for Star Trek Prodigy. Looks great. You and I are decidedly in the minority here because I guess the, the Star Trek fan community immediately climbed up one, one side and down the other on this show because it, it just basically saying, those don't look like Star Trek characters. And it's like, really? You know, you don't want to wait to see the first episode and see if the the script, you're going to just look at this and decide? It's like, Ugh, God. Makes me crazy. Yeah. All right. Also, to, to sort of wrap up the, the Paramount uh, Plus side of things, this is a fairly ambitious thing they're trying to do with with Avatar: The, the Last Airbender, where we we get what an animated feature and spinoffs. 
Yeah, I think it's spinoffs of, of Avatar and Korra. They, mm. they created a new animation studio basically to handle all of this stuff mm. because the content has never been more popular, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love, you know, Avatar and Korra are great. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to get a lot more content. And it, it sounds like the co-creators left the Netflix live action series, which I'm not really sure if that is still happening or mm-hmm. not, but they seem to have left it to, to focus on these spinoffs and sequels. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I worry that it's going to be too much of a good thing, you know, but you know, bring it on. I okay. say. Okay. All right. Well, uh, okay. Stepping away from the TCA and the presentations there, you made sure as we were putting together the, the, to-do list, so to speak, for this podcast, to bring up this great Gatsby animated film that coming from William Joyce, which that's really a surprise to have him directing. Tell people what he almost directed. Well, he almost co-directed Rise of the Guardians with Mm. Peter Ramsey because he... At one time, I don't know if this is still around or anymore, but he had a he had a shingle within uh, Real FX, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to handle it, and then that fell through. It got developed by uh, by DreamWorks, mm-hmm. and so he was going to co-direct it. And then, unfortunately, he had a family tragedy. Uh, his daughter passed away unexpectedly, so he sort of stepped aside. But I mean, animation fans should know. Oh yeah, William Joyce just by the amount of stuff that he has inspired, mm-hmm. right? Uh, two Blue Sky movies, Robots mm-hmm. and Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked on Toy Story, doing absolutely fabulous. Oh yeah, uh, sort of art design for mm-hmm. characters as well as Bugs Life, mm-hmm. and um, so everyone should know him. He also, I forgot he he had the story that was, that Meet the Robinsons was based on too. So he did. He did a day with the yeah, Robinsons. Pretty, pretty, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it. pretty amazing background, right? But I, are you are you excited about this? What I'm, do you feel? I'm about excited it? about him making an animated feature. I just don't know about Gatsby, you know. But yeah, I could be wrong. I could be surprised. I mean, well, hell, I, I had the same reaction this week when. Did you see the news about how Spirited Away, the, the Hayao Miyazaki film, is being turned into a stage play? Yes, and I. I surreptitiously sent that to my wife because, you know, we were supposed to go to Japan for our honeymoon and have not gone yet because Mm -hmm. uh, the world ended. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of saying, you know, we could go uh, in time to watch this Spirited Away uh, Broadway show. I'm sure that she would love to sit through a Japanese language uh, theatrical presentation based on an animated feature during oh. her honeymoon. I'm sure that's exactly what she wants, Jim, Okay, but, okay, you know. okay. Because <laughs> uh, I sense the sarcasm, so I was, about, I was about to suggest, well, you know it's going to be in Osaka. It actually, it's it starts in Tokyo, February and March of, of 2022, then it tours. It goes to Osaka in April of 2022, and you could double up. You could do the, the Universal Ooh. Studios Japan. That's right. Which is also in Osaka. I want to stress here that there's a, a talented troupe behind this. John Kerr the, of the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, he did, directed uh, the recent revivals of Les Mis and Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, he's the one, uh, you know, sort of piloting this project. And and Toho, the, the company that actually made the, the original film uh, or paid uh, Studio Ghibli to, to make the film, they're behind this project as well. And I've been hearing that 
it was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child that kind of kicked open the door for this. That show was bringing you know the world of Harry Potter to life on stage and what you could do with stage illusions and that sort of thing. It's like, well, we could do that with the magical bathhouse. So that's coming. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, yeah. yeah, I would love to know how they're going to do some of the transformations and the no-face character. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, keep an eye out for that, folks. Again, de- debuting in Japan in 2022 and, and touring and hopefully maybe coming stateside. Anyway, last minute news. In fact, <laughs> please, you you take it, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is pretty cool news, but Skydance, which mm-hmm. is the latest in a long line of production entities that has owned the rights to the Terminator movie, mm-hmm. uh, is teaming up with Production IG mm-hmm. uh, to create a Terminator anime series for Netflix that is being overseen by one of the writers on the new Batman movie, The Batman. Mm-hmm. His name is Mattson Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also wrote Project Power for Netflix, so they, they know him well. But yeah, what, how do you feel about this, Jim? Did you see the last Terminator? Because I thought it was pretty cool, and then nobody went to, to watch it. You know, how many times in like the past 10 years it's like, oh, this is the first film of a new trilogy. And then it's like, right, please disregard that film. Here's the new trilogy. It's a great set of characters. It's a fascinating world. And maybe anime's the way to do it. Yeah. If, you know, you had told me, you know, a year or so ago that, you know, the, the way Star Wars was going to survive, if not thrive, was through television, through things like The Mandalorian. I, I don't know if I would have bought into that. So maybe this is the way to go with this. Yeah, and, and any any production IG project, I feel, is always worth watching. I okay. mean, they're the ones behind Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. Jinro the Wolf Brigade, Blood the Last Vampire. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a complete anime nut, they did the Oren Ishii sequence in Kill Bill um, oh. Volume 1. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. You've yeah. convinced me. All right. Well, yeah. we'll sit down and watch this one. <laughs> and this guy knows his stuff because he saw Saria, uh, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But first, a quick commercial break. This has been such a, a big animation week. In fact, I'm kind of embarrassed that here we are talking about everything at the, the Television Critics Association thing. And we haven't even yet talked about the Luca teaser trailer yet. Yeah. What did you think of that? I thought it was very charming. Mm -hmm. I really liked the look of it. I thought it was interesting that they did not say only in theaters or Mm -hmm. anything at the end of the teaser, which I think speaks volumes as to how sort of in flux things still are. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. I love that it's like this post-war Italy setting, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, it looks very odd and fun. What did you think? I was a little confused because my understanding the first time the story was explained to me was that it was kind of fish out of water isn't the right way to describe the story. Because basically it's a, uh, a young teen boy who befriended a sea monster who transforms into human form when they came, you know, he comes on land and it's showing him the wonders of the human world. And the teaser I saw, that doesn't seem to be this movie anymore. Yeah. If anything, both of these characters seem to transform into creatures once they get in the water. 
or or for that matter they get splashed with water in fact that moment in the trailer was great the dining room table with you know uh suddenly transforming I mean, it looks great. I loved Enrico Carosa's first thing for, for Pixar, La Luna. I'm going to really wish that it had, had taken home an Academy Award back in 2011-2012. I mean, it looks great. It, it has great character design. I was also surprised to see what we've got Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan in the voice cast. So... Very, very much looking forward to June 18th. I just, the question now is, am I going to see this in a theater or am I going to see this on Disney Plus? You're right that the logline was very different Mm -hmm. um, when it was initially announced. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder if that girl character is supposed to be the sort of human they befriend. But it actually, it reminds me a little bit of of the original version of Onward where there were two, the two brothers were joined by a female uh, character. That's right. The centaur, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I'm just having flashbacks to that that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, it look it looks very. I, I love the the art style. It's just so unique too. It looks really really cool. A lot of people are going to book trips to to Italy once we can all travel again on the back of that movie. Did you see this past weekend? The Crude's A New Age. You know, again, remember this movie was was released back in November of last year, November 25th to be exact that it was the number one film at the box office, theatrical box office, this past weekend. And that's like the second or third weekend in a row it's done that? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah we were sort of pre-gaming a little bit, and, and it looks like it could overtake Tenet as the highest-grossing domestic film released during quarantine. Oh. <laughs> so, oh. whatever that means, Jim. Um, okay. That, that, but, yeah. That, that means that, you know, there are executives at Warner Brothers climbing up to the tower and, you know, just hoping, you know, Wacko, Yakko, and Dot will let them jump. Right. But, I mean, it it also speaks to how important these kids' movies are during the quarantine end. Oh, yeah. Uh, this weekend, obviously, Tom and Jerry mm-hmm. is coming out, and I hope everybody listened to our chat with Tim Story. He yeah. was so much fun. He was. Um, he was. But... Yeah. And, and then, obviously, in a couple weeks, we, or next week, I guess, we got uh, Ryan the Last Dragon coming out in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. Okay, so this is first time in a while, I, I want to say since Big Hero 6 back in 2014, that we're, it's not a musical? Ralph Breaks the Internet. Although there was a song in that. Well, that's the thing. So. I get it. It's Slaughter Race. You know, given that there's a full-blown production number, which I love, you know, um... <laughs> But okay, so set in the fictitious world of Kumandra, largely inspired by Southeast Asia, with an Indi- you know, particularly Indonesian culture, and kind of a really timely story, the notion of, of healing a fractured society on the heels of the 2020 election cycle. I mean, this right story at the right time. But again, not a musical. Just one song. In fact, just before we were, we were recording, Disney released the official soundtrack. So I was, I was, you know, putting together the show notes tonight. So I was listening to that, and he's worked for Disney twice before. In fact, you know, they, <laughs> your famous go to London, go to see the film being made, and never talk about it. Nutcracker <laughs> in the Four Realms, and I guess he's also done the score for the Jungle Cruise movie that'll be coming out this summer. Well, and animation wise, Jim, mm-hmm. he did. He did Dinosaur. That's right. He did, oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. He did Atlantis. And then, if you'll remember, he was the 11th hour replacement for Alan Silvestri on Treasure Planet. 
So mm. he has the dubious distinction of scoring the two incredibly expensive sci-fi animated flops mm. from Disney Animation. So I still like you know. This one will be. This one will do better, Jim. I promise. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of which, Raya is directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada, co-directed by Paul Briggs and John Rippa. Now, it's interesting. You mentioned Treasure Planet just now. John Rippa uh, was a supervising animator on Jim Hawkins. He'd been at Disney uh, since Lion King, the original, back in '94. Supervising animator on the Baby and Young Tarzan in, in 1999. Tarzan. And again, uh, worked on 2002's uh, Treasure Planet. And since then, he's been, um, he's worked mostly on the story side of the street. He was the lead story artist on Big Hero 6 and then head of story on Moana. Paul Briggs, on the other hand, was head of story on Frozen, Big Hero 6, and Zootopia. And Don Hall uh, co-directed Winnie the Pooh in 2011, Big Hero 6 in 2014, and and Moana in 2016. So that's four, in, or excuse me, four animated features in 10 years. That's very impressive. But the fourth leg of the table here, Carlos Lopez Estrada, he's the one who's directing that live action CG version of Robin Hood that I think we talked about last year. He's also got a yet unnamed animated feature in the works for Disney that's supposed to come out sometime in 2023. And then just to pivot quickly to the producer side, we have Osnett Schurer, who's the producer of Moana. And then we have Peter Del Vecchio, who uh, produced Princess and the Frog, Winnie the Pooh, Frozen, the original Frozen, and the Frozen 2. And <laughs> if you remember that Into the Unknown uh, behind-the-scenes series that they did on Disney Plus last year. Did you watch any of those? Yes, of course. He's the he's the reason why we don't know what we're, we're on those comment cards, Jim. I was <laughs> dying to know. Yes, yes, but at the same yes. time, Peter looked so exhausted at the end of, of, of Frozen 2. I mean, they again, they, they brought it over the, the finish line. It, it made big bucks. So I'm just fascinated that he went from working on that to pivoting to, to work on Moana. Though, didn't you have a kind of an interesting theory as to why he got roped into this? Well, I mean, th this movie, we, we should talk about the production mm -hmm. hiccups okay. that went through this movie, mm -hmm. right? I mean, 2019, an entirely different filmmaking team uh, was announced for the movie. Paul Briggs was one of the directors instead of co-directing and he was joined by Dean Wellens, who is a longtime story artist uh, at Disney, who, remember, he, he almost got that Space Race movie off the ground a few oh, years ago. Yeah. Um, and then, like, literally mm -hmm. weeks later, Briggs was downgraded. Mm -hmm. They brought in John Rippa. Mm -hmm. They replaced the two main directors with, with Hall and mm -hmm. Lopez Estrada. Mm -hmm. They fired and replaced the... Uh, lead voice actress. Do you remember Cassie Steele was originally playing Raya instead of Kelly Marie Tran? There we go. Um, yep. And so, yeah. I think that this movie took a lot of corralling to mm -hmm. get together. But you're right. All the Moana parallels are dead on, Jim. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a mystical land. It's mm -hmm. a, a sort of deity character mm -hmm. going on a, a quest. Um, but... I don't remember my theory. Tell me my theory that I have completely forgotten about now. Well, you had mentioned that given that Peter had worked on you know, two films that 
had lots of effects and you know but you know these ridiculously dense environments that he was the kind of guy you could grab and it's like hey we're working on the story can you make sure they deliver the world and yes that was you know poor peter it's like i was gonna go lay in a chair somewhere and rest no 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 we need you to come over here and work um but it, it, it again interesting you, you mentioned the moana thing because what i've been hearing from folks is that when you look at how many of these people worked on both Big Hero 6 and Moana, this is kind of the Venn diagram, you know, that space in the Venn diagram where uh, Raya and the Last Dragon falls. That that it's this action film set in, uh, you know, a, or an exotic world with a film with an exotic world and lots of big action scenes. So does it work? It does work. Mm-hmm. It is a absolutely wonderful wonderful film i absolutely loved it and i cannot recommend it enough whether or not you're going to go you know risk life and limb to go see it in the theater or if you want to pay 30 bucks on disney plus but it is absolutely wonderful um i cannot wait for you to see it jim i think you're going to be really surprised by this one okay now speaking of which though you you obviously got to had or viewed this at home i was literally tonight looking at do i go to a movie theater and do i check this out uh do you think it's it is it you know the sort of thing you should see on a big screen or does it play just as well uh on my laptop or on on the flat screen at home or what what i was surprised by you're right it is a very sort of muscular action Mm. movie and the action sequences are really really cool and Mm -hmm. really serious and big and dynamic and in all the ways that you want an action movie to be, mm-hmm. but it also has this amazing heart. And mm-hmm. like you were talking about these these themes about, you know, togetherness and communication and putting aside differences. Mm-hmm. And also, all the characters have been affected by this kind of faceless evil that's torn through the land and, you know, turned all these people into stone. So a lot of the characters are dealing with this huge loss. And there's this kind of loneliness that... that uh, is all over the movie that feels very much like what we're dealing with now. I mean, we just hit the, you know, half a million mm. mark uh, last week of people who have been lost to this disease. So mm. it's uh, it's very 2021. But so, I mean, I'm saying that, that the emotional intimacy is there. If you want to watch it at home, you're mm. still going to cry. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. But if you choose to see it in a in a big screen, I mean, it looks amazing and it cannot be overstated what an accomplishment it is considering i would say probably 85 percent of the animation was done from home mm-hmm. um in the last year so it's really i mean you've heard stories from of kelly marie tran even saying that she did most of her dialogue in her closet so um it's really it's a really great accomplishment so okay. any any way you choose to watch it jim okay. you will be very happy all right, still thinking about it. So you've talked with the filmmakers, and again, obviously, again, you know the the fact that eighty five percent of this got made from folks working at home. Do you have a favorite behind the scenes story from talking with these folks, or? Oh, you know, I just feel like I feel like they. What I really like to hear was that you mm-hmm. know we watched the Frozen thing and we saw how how much people worked hard mm-hmm. on that and spent hours and hours over time and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what they said was, you know, we had like there this, the, the theme of the movie is trust. And we had to trust the animators because there wasn't that constant back and forth. Like 
I can, you know, go hang by your cubicle and ask you to adjust this one thing or, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have time to do so many so many check-ins. So they really had to trust the animators to just take the scenes Mm -hmm. and bring them back in great shape so that they could put them in the movie, which I thought was really cool. I always love when animators have more kind of... Mm -hmm authorship over their shots and uh so that was really inspiring and cool that the that the production of the movie mirrored the themes of the movie Mm -hmm. i thought that was very cool wow okay really looking forward to this now and again without giving anything away story points or that sort of thing did you have a particular scene a favorite scene or a favorite sequence yeah there There are a few that will really take your breath away, but I will just say that there are some incredibly cute creatures. See, Jim, you probably read, like, the children's book version of this, and you know every single story point that is in the movie, but they come across some interesting characters in in one section Mm -hmm. of the land. Every land is is devoted to a different part of the dragon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's sections that are tail and talon and mm-hmm. heart and stuff like that. So there's one section, they they encounter some odd creatures and all hell breaks loose, Jim. And I, it's, it's a lot of fun. That, okay. that, I think that was probably my favorite moment. Okay. And do we have a particular favorite character in another film or... You know, I without giving away who who they play, I will mm. say that Benedict Wong's character mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. But also, mm. Aquafina as Sisu is an amazing performance. I compared her to Robin Williams in, in Aladdin mm-hmm. on Twitter because she can kind of shapeshift and mm. do all these things. And it's true. She is absolutely amazing. It's one of the strongest animated vocal performances I've I've heard in quite some time so wow. i cannot wait for everybody to see it okay well all right when when hopefully you know by the next time uh we record one of these things uh a lot of folks will have gotten a chance to have seen raya and we can talk a bit more about that but until that time if you're, you're looking for stuff to listen to uh drew has some wonderful podcasts that that he has you know himself we have uh Light the Fuse and Light the Wick. We've got the Light the Wick miniseries going on on Light the Fuse. Just just subscribe to Light the Fuse. You'll get all the Light the Wick episodes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's still, still going strong. I mean, we have so many episodes and talk to so many amazing people. You're going to get the full story of the John Wick franchise uh, within a few weeks' time. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Okay. And you had talked on an, an earlier show about, I want to say, Paul... Hirsch. Paul Hirsch. I'm Paul sorry. Hirsch, yes. Paul Hirsch. Uh, which again, I, I I love his book. You know that that you yes. know. Uh, you know. I, 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 you know. You, are those shows still coming up or? They're coming up. We're gonna have them for May the fourth, Jim. Of oh, course. Of Hello. course. Of course. Of yes. Course. Okay. Yes. So you have we have new stories with Paul. He actually reads a new a new chapter of his book, which is great to hear him do that. It's mm-hmm. so fun and awesome. Um, and it's a story about how he was almost going to edit Batman Forever. That's what I'll tease. But yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yes. that, that, that would involve lots of machete work. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. all right. We've got uh, Disney Dish with Lentesta. Uh, by the way, uh, and again, I apologize this because you have to subscribe to get this. But the Bandcamp exclusive show that Aaron and Len put together... 
uh, where they they we've got access to the original. Well, it's the technically the second draft of the script for American Adventure uh, that uh, Ted Leinhardt had in his amazing. Uh, Joseph Bankowitz Epcot archive but Lennon Aaron recorded this with a, a full set of, of professional voice actors and got music from ASCAP and it, it's it's unbelievable yeah I think it's it's one of the best things they've ever done uh, so be sure I listened to that today Jim I the only thing I was mad about was that Aaron didn't invite me to do a, a voice I think I could be <laughs> Great in a number of roles. Uh, well, I do declare this a uh, nation of America. That's uh, well, sort of, all right. I think there. I could do that. I could do an, a number of. Th- I've, I've already written Aaron an email, so he knows. He's, okay. The next time he does this, he has to put me in. All right. So, all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely keep that in mind. That uh, you know, again, speaking of Aaron, uh, Aaron is the gentleman I do the marvelous Disney podcast with, and. This coming weekend, looking to knock out a new Universal joint. Uh, anyway, folks, a- a- again, you're missing out if you're not following Drew on social media. So can, can you tell folks how they can chase you down? Yes, it's Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm always posting nonsense, Jim, on there. Oh. I, I, I always want you to engage, but you just... You just stay away and say, let him drown himself. No, no, oh, no, no. I, I'm far too busy looking at wonderful <laughs> pictures of Nova. I, you know, the, the, the wonder dog. So That's true. That's true. So, all right. <laughs> uh, and I do, I do occasionally post on Twitter, which you can find uh, t- t- Twitter and Instagram where Jim Hill Media and over at Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Uh, and I guess that's going to do it for now. So thanks for listening. And Drew and I will be back soon.